welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. You know, sometimes I think when I start this program, I'm yelling. Sorry if I'm yelling. Uh, It's not done in all caps. I can promise you that. I can't promise you that there isn't some misspelling when I'm doing these programs, although you'll never know it if I do misspell the words that I'm saying. You ever think about that, folks? You ever wonder you can misspell uh, uh, and, and of course, your your, uh, spell check uh, in your texts or your word processing may get it wrong. Uh, But uh, when you're saying it, you can't tell whether it's uh, misspelled or not. I think that's uh, kind of a funny thing to think about. We're here. Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. I don't know where I was going with that. We're here also on Monday mornings at 1 a.m. And we're here on Wednesdays at 9 a.m. with a special edition of Tell Me Your Story, where we're streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com. The podcasts are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, and many other locations. And we're on YouTube where you can watch these interviews. We hope that you'll go to any or all of those locations, if you should so choose to, and uh, hit the notification button so that you can be notified every time we post a new program, a new interview, a new conversation. This program, this conversation, I think is going to be fascinating because it's coming from, it's coming from a place of fiction and um, how can I put this? Esoterica. How about that, folks? A little esoteric, uh, a little metaphysical and spiritual, if you will, because our guest, Thomas Lane, has uh, written a novel. He's written a, uh, a really intriguing book called The Karma Factor. It's about amongst, uh, amongst a timeless vision, an assassin's revenge, and a New York cop caught in the middle. Thomas Lane, thank you so much for joining us here on the program. Thanks for having me. This is interesting. I, I love mystery novels. I happen to be uh, n- currently narrating another gentleman's uh, f- six-book series uh, that has sort of a golf theme in it. Yours <laughs> has a karma theme in this particular adventure, this uh, this thriller, if you will, yeah. that, as uh, as we sort of alluded to before we started here, is somewhat misunderstood in the West. I mean, yes, we've had uh, people come from other parts of the world to talk about it, but we've also had, if you can, again, I'm not sure, I, as far as I know, he was an American uh, who has alluded to it in his own words. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction, which is karma, right? It's just worded differently. Yeah, well, it. It's a mysterious concept, and again, I stress that this is fiction mm-hmm. when I'm right here. Right. But I've I've had to do a lot of thinking because it's based on it's not a story that has karma involved. It's a story about karma itself, how it functions, and what's going on. And like you, I I love noir. I love uh, TCM movies. I love old uh, fiction. I love adventure stories, and so I tried to put it. You know, for me, spirituality is part of life. It's yeah. not just the heavens above and and the various things. It, it can be, mm-hmm. but it's also nitty gritty. It's right down in there in in the stuff, hard stuff of life. So I was trying to write something that was an action adventure story, maybe eighty percent that. But there's a backlit by a kind of a spiritual alternative reality, which is also going on in the book. And to blend these two together and make it work 
and it being fiction, but with a philosophical edge, uh, it was uh, indeed a challenge. Want to encourage folks to go to uh, Thomas Webs Thomas Lane's website, which is thomaslane.com. We'll be linked to it so that you folks can find out more about not only the karma factor, but also uh, the work that he is doing. Thomas Lane is doing. I want to ask you a little bit about uh, the characters in the book. Are they based? Are they? Are they literally created out of, so to speak, thin air, or are they based on? Um, anything that things that you have experienced in your life, people that you have come across, maybe the monk is a compilation and the assassin is a compilation, etc. Yeah, that's a really good question. I would say this, that all of them are fictitious. They're not specifically based on someone. I think to some degree, they're all me. They're all aspects, facets of my own personality. Uh, you know, I have a, a cop. I've never been a cop. I've never spent a lot of time. But I, I have that gene in my own soul. And then the the wisdom, I, I seek it. I, I read about it. I have listened to lots of people, read books. Um, there's a love affair, and I've certainly had those. So it's, it's, you know, cause and effect is very difficult for me to determine where things come from, how they originate, because they all seem sort of tied together. Right. But um you know, they are, you know, I've uh, one of the people that read the book early on was Robert Thurman. I don't know if you know that name, but he was Dalai Lama's translator, sort of right hand man. Oh, my very good guy. Wow. Yeah. Um, we hung out a bit and he uh, he's been a great supporter of this. There's also a, a movie um, in process going on about this book. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. But to answer your question. All of the above. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I know that um, I, I wrote uh, – it was actually back in high school, which goes back yeah. quite a number of years. I'm 62 now, so that gives you an idea how long ago that was. Right. Um, I suppose nowadays, like when I was a kid growing up, at, thinking of my parents or their parents, uh, yeah, those were the olden days, and now I have my own olden days. Right. Uh, I wrote a book uh, – not a book. I wrote a short story. Uh, I have to say that my Southwest Lit instructor was so supportive of all of us in yeah. our writing of short stories. Mine was a Conflagration at Sea. And what was so fascinating about it for me was that it was a, it was a, a story within the story that, yeah. that was a parallel to the surface story, if you will, of yeah. an elder gentleman, an author who'd been yep. writing for decades, had never gotten the recognition that he wanted, went up uh, uh, into a competition. And uh, this young kid of uh, 21 won the Writer's Award that year. Oh. And this guy was so angry, so vengeful, uh, mm. that he was going to get back at this kid. So they were holding uh, a party for the, the winner uh, on a yacht out out in open open waters. So this uh, elder author, this older author, gets into a uh, uh, into a, a a boat, a small little boat, almost a raft of sorts, motorized raft, and he's got explosives that he basically rings around underneath uh, uh, around the hull of the ship uh, of the of the yacht, hmm. and as he's paddling away. The, there's an explosion, of course, killing everybody on the yacht. 
But there was one thing he forgot about, and that is what goes up must come down. I'm not mm. sure that was Einstein either, but uh, needless to say, it punctured his uh, rubber raft. Wrong form of uh, transportation he should not have taken. Yeah. And of course, with all of the blood in the water from the people killed, the sharks came a running yeah. and they took him out too. Here's the uh. irony. The book he submitted was basically that very story. Wow. And uh, so my my uh, and he said my my Southwest Lit instructor said, "You need to expand on this." Mm. You know, I said, like, "Okay." I never did, and I still can. So I'm curious about your writing past. Did you get uh, encouragement from your uh, uh, grade school or high school English or writing uh, instructors or anybody else for that matter, or maybe it wasn't until college? What what were what were your influences? Now that's really interesting. I did have. Uh, creative writing teachers, English teachers when I was growing up. I, I didn't do well in school. I just, it was, you know, water and oil. And ah. I was just, you know, I was off the grid even when I <laughs> was back then. But interestingly enough, what got me going in terms of, I would say, literary inquisitiveness, alternative realities, was when I was nine years old and in the fourth grade, and having a hard time with my family, et cetera, um, I was introduced to The Hobbit. And she read The Hobbit out loud. And all of a sudden, and of course, inexplicably at that age, something shifted for me. Like, oh my God, this, this, this beautiful, magical story can exist in a world that's crazy and violent and this and that. And that started me on this trajectory towards then reading Eastern philosophy, et cetera, like that. But, you know, with your story, it it just seems like the the unexpected thing that happens, that you have everything mapped out, and then you have a blind spot, you know, and that's where I think karma is invited. Come on in, teach me something, you know. Um, at least that's that's kind of what I have been through and what my character has been through. There's a section where where he is, and I, I will just stay at the beginning of the book, not to do a spoiler here, but where he is he's going mad. It's a cop. It's a blue-collar cop guy who is, he's haunted by memories that he doesn't understand. These are, he turns out to be past life images. And he, and he starts, he wants to take himself out. So they have a, uh, an investigation going on. He goes into the, the, the beat-up apartment of a punk who's wanted for stuff. And my detective puts himself right in the line of fire. So the guy does a machine gun thing and the bullets come out and they disappear. They end up in New Mexico. He's in New York. Wow. And all of a sudden, and that gets explained later, all of a sudden he's, why have I been left alive? I should be dead. What? Why have I been given this reprieve? And that launches him. That's the McKay. I don't know if you've read Robert McKay's book on story, but that's the inciting incident that launches him into this whole thing of why, why did I get saved? Yeah. I like to use the word catalyst. That's the catalyst. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it is fascinating, the stories that come out of people sometimes. Uh, did you feel at any time, because I've had guests on who've written fiction as well as uh, nonfiction as well, uh, of a more fit, spiritual or metaphysical uh, bent, 
and many of them will say, oh, yeah, I, I didn't write this. I, this was channeled through me. This just came through me and it just spilled out on the page. I couldn't stop it. You know, it was a flood. I'm curious if this particular story or if you felt if you had those kinds of uh, awarenesses that this just it felt right. And these these words just feel right and so on and so forth. Absolutely. Um I've also done, I've written another book a long time ago called The Artist's Manifesto, and it was a, a book about activism as an artist, the importance of the arts, the, they are the front line of consciousness in many, many ways. And, and I interviewed a whole bunch of artists, and, and what they were saying is exactly what you just said, is that, and I have it too, is that suddenly the words came. They don't know where it came from. There was a, a magical quality about it, not to go foo-foo, but I mean, there really was some some other agency. And the song came and they said, I don't know where it comes from. I just hope it doesn't stop. I hope it keeps on coming. Yeah. And I certainly had that with with this book and some other things. Well, I know that, uh, um, I mean, I, I, I'm still trying to finish uh, my book. Uh, it's more of a, a spiritual, a metaphysical type of book uh, uh, dealing with uh, the five steps for life. It's called Choices. But we talk wow. about choices on this program all the time. Yeah. Uh, choices. We're giving people choices and knowledge of those choices to help make yeah. their dreams come true. Yeah. Yes, there were some, we'll call them catalytic events in your life. And I'm sure there's been more than one, not just that initial one, uh, that has led you down a path you hadn't expected. That it was totally unpredictable, at least in your mind. Oh, totally, totally. Yeah. Um, I have this peculiar thing, and maybe you've talked to, maybe you as an artist yourself have it, that there's an intuitive quality that 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 precedes my own awareness. So I find that when I'm writing, and I just let it flow, there will be things that I don't, words that I don't normally use, mm -hmm. uh, concepts that seem slightly beyond my own awareness, and so there's this reciprocity going on where I learned from what I've written because it was sort of written from higher state. I don't know where it comes from. Have you experienced that one? Oh, yeah. A matter of fact, uh, I experienced it very early on in my career uh, back in the 80s when I was working for a Christian radio station. And mm -hmm. I would get ministers, pastors, laity, etc., etc., local folks back in Phoenix, which is where I'm my hometown. And they would come in and they'd say, you know, I want to do this program. You know, I, I want to put this together this way. And I got all of the things. I said, have you timed any of this stuff out? No, I haven't timed. No. OK, don't don't worry about it. It doesn't have to be. So we're sitting there and we're starting to piece it together. And then we record this and that and the other. And when it was all done, nine times out of ten, it fit the brokered time that they purchased. I, t I totally get that. You know, totally Um I remember the very first radio theater that I produced. It was uh, we were working on it on my 21st birthday, and I had never done radio theater, but I said, you know what, this is just a long commercial because every commercial has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Well, so does this. Yeah. It's just a lot longer than a regular commercial. Instead of 30 right. seconds, you know, uh, yeah. we spent 18 hours working on it. Now, initially, I was disappointed when we were finished because there were only 33 minutes of play. And I thought, we have 18 hours and all we have is 33 minutes? You know, it's kind of like, well, we got a little blood out of the turnip, you know. <laughs> really? 
But it was it was fun. It was absolutely a joy. And I have always loved doing those kinds of things where you don't you you have a certain structure in process, but you don't have an end goal to achieve in a specific way. You let it become what it is going to become. Oh, you're talking music to me. I mean, it's so <laughs> it's so true. I'm a musician, also, so I can relate to that. I, it is so true that I, you know, if I was going to talk to anybody about the creative process, it would be don't put the editorial thing in too soon. Don't structure it. You will you will step on your own foot if you start outlining whatever before you've let the spirit speak yeah after it's down after it's out and and then you'll come to a place where you have to outline where you have to foreshadow this with this and this at least this is true for me and but you don't want to put it in i don't you know i'm gonna write a a book that ends here maybe you can do that i don't yeah i let it i let it say tell me what it's about right now when you've done that though you could have a thousand pages which means when you send it to the publicist they're going to do some editing and they're going to well, shorten I, it up. I put the outline in way before right. it goes down. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But, but it still, still needs editing. Yeah. Sure. And uh, uh, there are certain books that, uh, you know, I remember um, uh, the book Stranger in a Strange Land. Oh, yeah. I and I still that. have a hard copy of it, right? You know, real thick thing, right? And I tried reading it. Well, finally, Audible had it come out. So I I got it and I listened to it and I loved the story. It was a f- and the reader, the narrator did fabulous on the uh, on the, uh, the 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 different voices. Oh, it was fabulous! And I'm I've, I learned from a lot of these folks with my narrating. <clears throat> and um, the only thing I didn't like about it was the ending. I'm thinking, no, you can't do that. And then of course I'm thinking, no, that's really. That's, they have to end it that way. They, they couldn't. Re- he couldn't have ended it any other way than the way that it ended. Uh, and I'm not going to give the spoiler alert. You're going to have to read the book, folks. Not that I get any uh, kickbacks from the publisher, right. but but uh, uh, it's 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 uh, it's one of those things where when you're creating, you just have to create. I was writing a song, uh, and I had a facilitator, someone who was assisting me in this. That she was a musician. She's also a songwriter, and this song was being written as a process of my own therapy, and she has this program where she teaches people how to write their song, and your song could be different from one point in your life to another. Well, in this case, it had to do with me taking care of me, and... um, uh, I mean, then I'll just share, I'll share with you the chorus line. It's I'm a good man doing the best I can. Where I come from is where I'm going to. Um, Interesting. And what goes around comes around. Exactly. And uh, it, within the context of the choruses and the verses, I, I paid paid a little homage to my present wife. I paid homage to my mother and father. I paid homage to my three favorite musicians, artists who. Uh, uh, interestingly enough, maybe ironically, they've all passed. Uh, oh, John Denver, okay. Harry Chapin, and yep. um, and uh, Dan Fogelberg. Harry Chapin, here's one for me and one for the other guy. Yeah, I, 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 that is so beautiful. He he, I mean, the, some of the words in his song. I mean, in all of these gentlemen's songs, are as profound today as they were when they wrote and sang these songs. It's it's almost as though no matter how much time goes by, nothing seems to change, which in one sense is true. 
because the songs still fit the era that we're in. But they also fit the era that they were in when they were alive. And, and that's just the way it is. But the creativity, uh, that aspect of it, I think one of my favorite lines of John's was um, uh, um, uh, something along the lines of uh, uh, changes somehow frighten me. Still, I have to smile. It turns me on to think of growing old. When I was 15, I thought it would be so cool to be older, to be an adult, to to do all of the things like my parents did. I'm not going to say that it hasn't been. It, it, it wasn't quite what I expected, but at the same time, I'm going, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I'm here. And now yeah. I'm in the process. I don't know about you, what your dreams are of how much longer that you want to live. And I don't even know how old you are, but I'm 62. And I've told people that I'm going to outlive my great-grandmother on my mother's side who passed away at 100. Wow. So Good I got, you. I got a, a minimum, a minimum of 38 years to go. Yeah. In the context of not just the karma factor so much, but in terms of our conversation about karma and these yeah. esoteric concepts, what about this aspect of mortality versus immortality? Uh, do you believe that we are immortal? And when I say that, I'm referring not to this physical body because it's, yeah. it's mortal, but yeah. that which animates it. Yeah. I do. I do. And it's a completely subjective experience. You know, it's like I remember the first time I really contemplated. I, w- I went to the University of Chicago for a little bit and I was in one of their great old sort of cathedral like buildings that was also a coffee house. And I used to play down there. And I remember suddenly there was this sort of shift and it, I went slightly out of focus and then I was back somewhere else. And, you know, is this hallucination? Am I making this up? Do I like the idea of living forever? So I'll believe in that. Who knows? But I do have the sense because a lifetime is so short, so very short, um, that in terms of a learning curve as a soul, as a human being, I feel like I'm just getting started in so many ways. And and that, for instance, what you were talking about, about experiences back long ago and then where we are here with those same kind of experiences, you know, love and light mm. back when I was a kid, it's still love and light. It's just matured. It's just mm. I understand love and light means, you know, forgiving someone or forgiving myself or something very basic, very simple. But it's not just this highfalutin concept that uh, sort of takes over everything. It's, it's again, being grounded. And, and back to your question, I, I just have a bunch of personal experiences that lead me to believe uh, that I will be returning or not. I don't know how that one works, but that there is something eternal somewhere buried in this flesh of mine uh, for me to experience and use as a North Star. Mm. We're talking with Thomas Lane. He has a book that is available for you to to get a copy of. Certainly it's uh, through a lot of the usual outlets of uh, Amazon and, and so forth. You can also go through his website, which is 
Uh, ThomasLane.com will be linked to his website as well so that you can find out more about him and the work that he does as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and it is really a pleasure to have Thomas Lane with us. Uh, he is also a musician. What do you play? Guitar. I Guitar. was, uh, I was the, the, ever since, oh, probably... 12, 13, 14, I picked up the guitar and it was all about the singer-songwriter model. Mm. And I used to go into Greenwich Village and with my guitar, I wandered around collecting songs wherever I went. Uh, I got a publishing deal. I went to the Brill Building. This was a while back. That was where sort of rock and roll originated the Tin Pan Alley of Carole King and Bobby Darin those songwriters and they would just have pianos and people would play and listen. And I got a rec, I got a publishing deal and I thought, Oh, this is going to be fun and easy. And here I am 15 tough. <laughs> I was, I was dead wrong about how difficult it was to, to, to get into, you know, the, the commercial aspect of being a professional singer songwriter. Mm. So I have, through the years, I write songs. I have a CD. Uh, I have a stage name called Tracker, T-R-A-K-K-E-R. Uh, I, I have a website on that. And um, it, the CD is called Hotel Earth. And I haven't been pushing it. And I bring it up on the side because I'm really interested in getting the book going. But my first love was singer-songwriter. Hmm. And what kind of songs uh, do you do you uh, to write that, that you what kind of let me try that again. What kind of songs <laughs> do you write? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> well, being a, a writer and a poet and all that, it, lyrics are real important. I would say early Dylan and uh, Leonard Cohen. Those guys were my for you, you know, the the John Denvers and whatever that uh, I don't you know, somehow listening to them opened up spaces inside me and possibilities that I hadn't thought about. And so I take on a lot of progressive causes, uh, everything from a, an ode to Martin Luther King uh, to something uh, called underground light, which is people who have a conscience right now, particularly to, uh, to get on their whatever path they're on and, and heat it up a bit because it's an all hands on deck moment. It's, you know, and then I'll have love songs. Um, I, I get that's that's something about it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, uh, is there anything in particular that uh, that inspires you or do you have any kind of a muse, if you will, uh, that uh, helps you to maybe come up with something? Because I know that. For example, uh, when I listen to, and I, I listen to all kinds of different kinds of music, right now it's country music, and one of the things I like about the station, and I'm actually listening to a local radio station, country station, the thing I like about it is that you can listen for uh, a week to ten days, and yes, you're going to hear one or two or three songs played over and over again, but you're mm. also going to hear new stuff inserted on yeah. a daily or semi-daily fashion as as opposed to when I was a kid growing up, you didn't get that. You heard the same, ro yeah, same rotation all the yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. So what about you in terms of, of, of coming up with uh, uh, these songs? Do you just, do, do, you, do you have any kind of deadlines or do you just let it come out when it comes out? 
Well, I, I have worked in phases. Right now, it's all about the karma factor and doing these. This is my These are my first times out. I'm a new kid on the block. Um, and and uh, getting a website together and all the promotional, all this stuff, which is I never have pushed. I, I have been writing stuff. I've been off grid for a long time, just sort of accumulating books and, and movies and screenplays and music and just without real thought of being a successful artist. Mm-hmm. It was just not in the playbook. Right. But what what motivates me, man, is is people with courage. Um, uh, I have a foundation with money from my grandparents that uh, does work with the homeless and helps just fund other careers, environmental, whatever. And I'm so blown away with so many of these people that are risking life and limb sometimes and doing the hard work, the heart work, um, you know, those that kind of courage to be who you are. And you see it in a million different ways. Um, more than one person or one thing, it's more like, I guess I'm event driven. You know, when something happens that moves me. Um, I'll, first, I want to go to the guitar. But right now I'm saying, Okay, let me do the book first. I'll get to you later. Mm. So I have to put some of my muses on hold. But um, I think I think that's it. You know, and just relationships and just things that that are impactful for me bring bring out the songs. Are there things that you don't want to write about? Things that are um, how do I put it? Well, there's this phrase. Oh, that is so 1990s, or that's so 2000 or 2010. Uh, you know, I. I or um, something that is an old stereotype, unless yeah. you're writing about it in terms of the stereotype that is changing? That's a great question. Um, I think part of the off-the-grid thing was that I don't track with it. I don't care about it. I don't compare myself to others. I write what's there. And I don't have a lot of significance about, oh, it's to this or to that. Does it work? Does it give me emotional impact do i feel authentic when i sing it uh so i'm not i'm not because i'm not sort of success motivated uh i'm I'm sort of free to just whatever comes out and that's interesting that you would say that not success motivated and i would probably put that in maybe a different context and say that your definition of success is different than the traditional model of success. And so to that end, would you say that your success is uh, in how it makes you feel, that it makes you happy? It's not always happy because I write sad stuff. Sure. Uh, um, It makes me feel authentic. Uh, It makes me feel that I have there that each song or each book or each poem or anything that I write has a certain kind of potential mm-hmm. and that I've been willing to take the plunge try this cuz I go through layer I just rewrite 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 and when I come back to it the lyrics usually I call it moving there's something the words are still moving they're not settled yet so I go through it again whenever and then it seems great and then I go away come back it's still moving that sentence that through. so when it has fulfilled whatever sort of intuitive expectation I have for that 
particular subject matter, whether, you know, she left me crying or I left her crying <laughs> or, uh, or, you know, I wave from you across the room and say, go get him, man. Whatever it is, it has a, a potential. And if I, if I am really honest about that, uh, working it, that's what, that's what I consider success. It has, mm. there's an inevitability about this piece of art and then I have really worked hard to get to that place. Yeah. I had an interview just recently with a philanthropist, and we were talking about uh, certainly uh, prosperity, abundance, and money. Hmm. And I said, yeah, it would be great if I had a lot of zeros before the decimal point, to the left of the decimal point. That would be fabulous. But I know good and well that that is not what would make me happy. I'd feel a little bit more secure knowing that it was there, but that isn't what would make me really happy. Uh, because I would want to help other people with that abundance, if you will. And um, at the same time, I have no desire to own a mansion or a yacht or a plane or a fancy car. Hell, if I could find a slightly used and in very good condition Chevy Metro. All right. You know what that looks like? It's almost like a Pinto. All right. Uh, Chevy Metro. It was um, actually my second car. The, my first car I only had for about a month or two, and it was sold to be my, my neighbor. This was an old 1973 Chevy Plymouth. Or it was a 1973 Plymouth Fury 3, a land mm-hmm. yacht. All right. Mm-hmm. And I traded it in for a 1998 Chevy Metro that only had like a thousand miles on it. Whoa. I loved that car. And unfortunately, a, uh, a woman in a, uh, a late model convertible Mustang pulled out in front of me and I rear-ended her. The irony was my car was totaled. She only had $500 in damage and I couldn't figure out how that was possible. I thought I hit her pretty damn hard. What yeah. really frustrated me was the fact that she pulled out in front of me, but I, of course, got blamed for the uh, accident. Anyway... I loved that little car. If that's if I could get one of those, even though I I own a truck right now, I would I could carry the Metro in the back bed of the truck. I I loved that little car. It was a wonderful little thing. Um, you know, I'm happy with the things that I have. I'm happy with where I'm at. How about you? Are you uh, content at peace with, or are there still things that every once in a while come up in your mind, going, you know, boy. Tell you what, it sure would make my life easier if I had, you know, that kind of thing. Or oh, yeah, big time. Um, and I wanted back to that thing about making money versus it can get set up as artistic integrity. And those two things collide. And you know, I did a lot of interviews with artists, and that point in particular, um, it was like a great song. It, for me, anyway, mm-hmm. uh, is gets bigger than that particular argument because a great song hits the nerve in the heart, which is which is you're not adding sugar and salt and this and that to make it more commercial, right? You're not adding things on. You're writing something, and if it appeals to the heart in so many places, um, it will make money, and you also preserve that artistic integrity thing i mean that's that's kind of where i've come to yeah uh in terms of now i've forgotten the your question you just asked sorry that's all right 
In terms of, um, do you have everything that you want, oh. or are there other things that pop up in the back of your mind going, boy, my life would be easier if I had? Uh, I, I, in some ways, I'm a really restless spirit. Um, I'm always looking for new ideas, and you know, my muses keep feeding me stuff, and I have stuff stacked all over the place, and I'm wanting to get stuff out, which is why I'm here talking to you. I, w- I want that. I write art. You know, I feel like art is communication that yearns to be experienced and mm-hmm. yearns to be communicated. It doesn't just happily sit with me. Right. So this, this path that I started on recently and very late in life, just to get out and talk to people, talk to people like you, tell them I've written a book. Um, that's difficult for me um that's that's out of my comfort zone so obviously i'm you know and i have good days and bad days with it but um it's part of mastering something and then i'm sure if i when i feel comfortable with this there'll be something else that and it's all in aim for me at least i frame it with this is my growth this is how i grow Mm -hmm. and this gives me more capacity for joy and maybe more capacity for sorrow as well. But um, but this is growth, and so I'm 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 good with me having good and bad days. Yeah, the Karma Factor is the title of Thomas Lane's book. We hope that you'll find out more about him by going to thomaslane.com. We will be linked to his website as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and it is great pleasure to have. Uh, not only author but musician. Uh, what other what other attributes can we adjectives can we use to describe Thomas Lane? Uh, well, he's he's a nice person, I think. Um, I, I get has, that right away. He has his flaws. Um, I I have just I'm I, I I think my DNA is is totally wired to the creative process, and that uh, almost everything that comes in. Uh, will want to find in it some kind of expression, whether it's a bad joke uh, or a poem or a hug or something. I just, I can't, I don't hold things in. I don't want to hold things in. I, they, they come sort of recycle through me. Mm-hmm. So um, there's that. Uh, I I have been, a, you know, sort of off the grid and I, and I don't do a lot of social stuff. Um but I have a I have a great affinity for you know people in general, and I like to laugh and create a little mischief along the way. <laughs> All right, let me ask you a question in the, in regards to what you've just said. Uh, yeah. Off the grid, what does that mean for you? What 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 is off the grid? Well, I stayed away from technology. I d- I didn't get a smartphone till last year. Uh, I didn't have Wi Fi. Uh, I don't know this whole world of technology. Uh, I I don't have a lot of people that I, I work. I, I work because that's my joy. I create. I'm working on a book or a song or this or that. And I don't get out much. I don't. People say, oh, did you go to the study? Have you seen this movie? No. Um, and that that leaves me alone with my own personal stuff, which gets expanded by I do watch shows on TV and Netflix um, but I was so caught up in trying to understand myself and 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 create what I wanted to create without undue influence of 
what's happening now, what's hip, what's not hip, all that stuff. I'm just writing what's deeply upsetting or up, or happy making or something to me. And then I just came to a place where I needed to come visit you. <laughs> you know, really, I, just, I had to talk to my new friend. Uh, so that's that's more stuff. Interesting, because I know that there are those who will define off the grid as quite literally disconnecting 100% from the modern world. Um, well, it wasn't 100%, but it was pretty, pretty disconnecting. Yeah. Well... I'll tell you, it's it's really amazing how this uh, this process that we are uh, going through called life and the things that we are uh, exposed to, shall we say, that um, there are times when we kind of flow with those things. And then there are other times when uh, they are uh, a detriment, if you will. They're an irritant. uh, they're um, they create resistance in our lives, and you know it's like I just just get out. You know, I don't like drama. Yeah. Uh, I don't watch a lot of drama television or movies. I'm not a fan of horror movies, those kinds right. of things. Suspense thrillers, depending upon what it is, um, I, I, I will watch. For example, your your book, should it be made into a movie, I would watch because of obviously because of what I know about. Uh, the book and the characters and the and the the the, the uh, scenarios, uh, I think it would be very interesting. I remember reading Dan Brown's books, uh, Heaven and Hell, as well as The Da Vinci Code, and right. when those movies came out, they matched my movie, the uh-huh. movie that I had been playing while I was reading the book, which blew me away. Absolutely blew me away. Uh, but that is the power of imagination. Yeah. Is there anything you do in particular to maybe spark your imagination, or do you just wait for wait for things to uh, foment, uh, ferment, uh, <laughs> congeal, or what have you uh, <laughs> to to create? Whether it's a another book, you know, or a song, or or whatever it might be. Um. It's a great question. Um, I think I'm oriented towards uh, seizing opportunities. When something happens, I go, what was that? And immediately, uh, you know, even, oh, you know, stubbing my toe or or being blown away by a movie or something, I, I spend time with it. Um, why why did that make me feel this way and it starts conjuring up ideas and alternatives and if i didn't like the ending of a movie what might i have done and so there's i'm aggressive about being alive i suppose uh with with um maxing out incidents that happen i don't just sort of let them be mm-hmm. i mean sometimes i do but sometimes when something excites me It'll start spinning, you know, trigger things that go off that are not that story, but uh, maybe a different ending of the movie or a word that, you know, they say it it pierced my membrane. Just, wow, pierced your membrane. You know, did it go in sharp or was it? Anyway, uh, does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, no, I hear you. That's one of the reasons why I've always enjoyed uh, uh, when they will come out with uh, a movie uh, specifically on DVD because you can't really do it with video videotape. 
I still have a lot of VHS tapes at home, and I have, uh, still have a player that I've got to figure out how to <laughs> hook into my computer. Uh, but with a DVD, you can have alternate endings, which they will create, you know, that kind of thing. I love the movies and programs that end with a surprise ending. And the yep. first movie that I really saw that did that um, was a movie called Midnight in Paris. I don't know if you remember that film or oh, not. Oh, the Woody Allen. We just saw that. My Ex wife and I saw that the other night. Absolutely. Did that not end? And again, no spoiler alert for the listener. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But did that not end the way you did not expect it to end? Yep. It, it's achieving something that that is harmonious. But oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Start again. It's uh, harmonious. Well, it's, uh, you know, for me, and I've read this with other people, that you want to give them an ending that is satisfying or, I mean, I like ambiguous em endings also, but even that can be satisfied. But you want to do it in an unexpected way. Yeah. And I, there are a bunch of movies that really went, Sixth Sense. Oh, yeah. That, that, that was did, like. A, I couldn't believe. I, really? <laughs> Again, not giving anything. No spoiler alerts here. If you want to see right. it. But it had an ending that is like, I thought it was the other way. <laughs> you know? <laughs> exactly. exactly. And that blew me away. And that stuck. You know, that in my mind, that's been a sort of a metaphor for years now. Yeah. What about your, I like to refer to it as your inner life. Yeah. Uh, what about your inner life? And uh, do you, do you spend hours at a time meditating and, and reading the ancient wisdom teachings and, and, and so on and so forth? Or have you come to the place where you are spiritually or metaphysically uh, via what we might maybe refer to as a more organic or natural process. I didn't need to read all those books. I just, I just, I've just come here. This is where I'm at. It's probably a little of both. Um, I think good teachers will, I think they should say, you know, I can point you in a direction, but you got to go there. You got to do the work. Um, and they will give you, um, at least in my, and I've read a whole bunch of stuff, um, starting with The Hobbit, as I mentioned, mm -hmm. um, that explore areas that are beyond my normal work-a-day, live-a-day life that I'm drawn to because I do feel there there is that other thing we discussed earlier about this this mysterious presence inside us uh, and I don't have answers for it. I don't even look for answers. I look for the experience. Um, but there have been plenty of people in my life. And even this discussion here, I'll probably, you know, after we're done, I'll, I'll think about it and I'll have more thoughts and I will have learned things spending time here with you. Um, it's an ongoing thing. It's never, it's never static. I never feel like I've got it all. And if I ever have those experiences, that will be dismissed in about 27 seconds. So, <laughs> uh, but I'm happy with my process. I, I understand my process and I, I, I tinker with it. Mm. Well, I'm kind of the same way in that uh, I'm happy with where I'm at. Yet I still question. Uh, I still question um, why am I not in another place 
having acquired all of these tools in my enormous toolbox uh, that I've been using and gathering for over 40, 43 years, uh, you know, you'd think that uh, a person of my abilities and skills, and again, I say that humbly, I, I'm not uh, an egotist yeah, yeah. in that regard, um, why am I not doing better financially and especially? But then I start thinking about that. And I'm thinking, okay, but first of all, are you unhappy where you are right now? And of course, the answer is no. I'm very happy because I love doing these interviews. I yeah. love narrating this particular individual's book. It's, it's really an exciting thing. By the way, I have to compliment. I know it probably wasn't you. It was the publisher that did this. Compliment the publisher on the, the, what we call the font size in the book. It's for me. It's very easy to read, as opposed to if this were um, a scaled down into a paperback book and very yeah. tiny print that I would need a microscope to read. <laughs> I that like it. The, I, I thank you. I mean, it's also a slightly larger book. Yeah, this was determined before it got to the publishers by people I was working with, and and they they showed me the font, and I said, "Oh, that's easy, easy." I'm so tired of this tiny, tiny print yeah uh, and the fact that it was bigger it's a little bigger than the normal size it gives the cover which was hard hard work getting that cover together um it gives it a look a little bigger platform to express the images and stuff so so thanks for saying that that that's uh, that's great news well i have to tell you that the reason i say it is because i was born legally blind uh, I could see to get around. I could do uh, the things that I did. It was at the age of 36 that I, I received a lens implant. And, of course, now wow. I'm driving. But when I was a kid growing up, I would read large print books. Uh, there was yeah. even a point at which I was able to take regular textbooks and use a device. It was a big device called a Kurzweil machine. What it was was a television screen or monitor. And underneath it, where you'd slide the book on, on the tray, was uh, a camera. And you could change the uh, you could change the uh, size of the text yes. that you're reading, and then you'd move the book back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Wow. And you could change it from black text on white or white text on black. And I actually prefer, although I know that for the publishing company and so forth, it would be much more expensive to do white text on black pages. That would be very difficult. But Kindle. Allows you to do that too, which is very nice. Oh, yeah, but it—I I was always looking for, and I remember one of the first paperback books that was also very thick. It was called. It was by Frank Herbert, of course, the writer of Dune, uh, and this other book he wrote called *The Prometheus Project*. And I would sit there late at night, like in in my parents' living room, holding the book, just barely holding onto the book with one hand. And then I had my magnifying glass in the other hand, and I'm trying uh -huh. to read the, the pages. And it was so compelling, it didn't matter how uncomfortable that was. I had to keep going. It was hey. so interesting to me. Um, and I know that books will never go away. I don't oh. care how far along in our technologies we get, but I do love the audible format. Is your book uh, prepared yet in that fashion? Not yet. We're just we just the publishing date was uh, the second of November, mm -hmm. so we're just getting our feet. And I don't I don't even know how it's doing. I'm just uh, trying to do my part to push it along. 
Well, I, as I mentioned, I, I'm narrating one now, and I'll tell you what, I would love to uh, uh, to narrate yours if that were something. I'll give you my contact info and, and see where we go from there. Um, I, I, I love it for two reasons. One is because I'm able to do it. As a kid growing up, if someone told me, oh, yeah, when you get older, you're going to be doing that, it's like, not a chance. You can just take that and go away. Then the other part is I get to read your book from cover <laughs> to cover. I get to go into this world that you created. Yeah. And speaking yeah. of the cover, I yeah. know that the character uh, silhouette on the left is the monk. Right. Is the silhouette on the right the assassin? Oh, you're so quick on this. This is great. It's both. It's at the assassin. There's the cop. He's a yeah. he's a blue collar guy, uh-huh. right? With a background he doesn't understand. As and as I said, he he's about ready to take himself out, and then he gets this reprieve. Right. And he, what the hell am I supposed to do with this? So he goes from bang bang shoot him up kind of guy as he becomes more and more educated in a situation in Tibet in a previous lifetime, he begins to work with other skill sets. Mm-hmm. There is a the Akashic Records. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Very familiar. Talked about it many times on this program. Okay, so that in you know in my paradigm, I had to make it simple, like a real library. Although you know, if you go deeper into the subject, they will never say it's it's a library. It's an entity. It's a power. Mm-hmm. But I had to make it into a book. So anyway, he he gets involved in a in a in a mission that has started you know, 50 years ago. It has to do with bringing karma. Uh, what is it? Scientists, mystics, poets, getting them together and actually going into research and study on this thing. And how does it work? And so he gains access to to this whole past life thing. And that starts changing him so that he goes from the the, the guy on the right, the, the guy with the gun, mm-hmm. to some other entity that has to straddle both realms and mm. so he picks up he has to go beyond his badge yeah i'm guessing the mountain range in the back is the himalayas correct yeah i've always uh, it's always intrigued me the the covers of books and how they came up with the different ideas and i am seeing something in the uh, in the background on the right hand side above the uh, right side silhouette is that a bird yes it is a bird Yes. May I ask what kind of bird? I wouldn't. I didn't talk to it, so he didn't tell me. <laughs> I love it. Thomas Lane, my guest. Uh, the Karma Factor is the title of the book. Go to thomaslane.com. We'll, he'll have more information for you, and we will continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and Thomas Lane is my guest. And um, I want to, uh, as I shift myself in my chair here to get more, a little more comfortable, I want to ask you about some of the other works, some of the other uh, writings that you have done that people can uh, get their hands on. Well, there's there is my album called Hotel Earth. Uh, it's on Spotify and other places, um, and it's my stage name is Tracker. Tracker is was my band name uh, years ago when I was playing out. Um, and, I, and he's a character also in the book, interestingly enough. Ah. And he's wild and crazy, and he, 
hears crosstalk between dimensions, and he's sassy, and he's rude, and he's wonderful. <laughs> and uh, I have a great fondness for him. So that's still playing. I have a poetry book, which isn't out at all. And um, I have a screenplay, which pursues, uh, I'm, a, I'm a jock, I'm a, I, I love sports. This is basketball in the, you know, in the years when the major corporations are ruling the planet. And it's sort of a little bit like rollerball, if you've, if you've ever seen that one yet. Oh, yeah. Except it's basketball. And it's got all kinds of things in there. There's uh, what some of the, the players are doing to augment their skills is to, to secretly get a drug called fangs, which is RNA of animals like a cobra or a great white white shark, and they inject those things so they become take on some of the qualities to enhance their sport. They can jump higher, they can run faster, they can be more violent. Anyway, it's it's it's. Uh, I'm looking for uh, you know someone to get interested in that. Um, what else is out there? I, I have a children's book that isn't hasn't made it out there. There's a, another book I wrote called The Artist Manifesto, which mm. was a, based on surveys. Uh, of artists about, you know, this was d during the time where corporations, and it's probably still true, uh, were dominating the art scene, lawyers and, and business people, and, and the artists were getting really crushed in, in trying to get record deals. This was before the internet. And so I interviewed a bunch of them and came out with this book, which is, you know, basically... Go team, you know, stay with <laughs> don't, don't um, organize, uh, get in touch with each other. Uh, I had this idea of an international league of artists. Um, anyway, it was very successful. I self-published, I sold every copy. Uh, you can find it on eBay. Um, uh, that's, that's the problem. I don't have it out there. All this stuff. Um, I have screenplays and treatments and, all kinds of things that have never made it. The children's book called The Magic Pajamas. Uh, that doesn't have a publisher yet. Mm. But the Karma Factor is here. The Karma Factor is here. It's available. Uh, if you want it, you can go to uh, Amazon. You can go to thomaslane.com. If they go through your website, uh, any any advantage of doing that as opposed to going straight to Amazon? No, except that um, you'll get some information about the book. There's some excerpts from it. Uh, there's the the letter written by the that initiates the whole thing by a fictional monk, renegade monk in Tibet that says, "Folks, we got to do something having to do with karma. Otherwise, we'll, you know, we we defeated Hitler, but another strong man will come in his place, and and you know, people that go to jail and get executed, they'll come back and do nasty stuff again. We got to deal with karma. That's what launches the whole thing." Um, and there's bits of music and some videos I've done, so I, I would love them to come visit. Please go to the website, folks. Uh, you know, you can go to Amazon anytime. So go to thomaslane.com and find out more about the work that he's doing. May I ask what part of the world you're in these days? These days, I'm speaking to you from Providence, Rhode Island, so in a house that was built in 1890. Wow. 1890? Yeah, it's got and all it's... the and crannies you could ask for. It's still standing. Amazing. <laughs> Didn't get, hasn't been knocked down by a hurricane or major storm. 
that nor uh, people that want to upgrade quotations and, and take it into something modern, you know, that we we landed it for a really good price and have been fixing it up. And it's a joy. And I love Providence. Yeah. Most people don't know about Rhode Island. It's this tiny little postage stamp of a state. Yeah. We bump between Boston and New York, but it's a glorious place. I love it. Well, there are so many wonderful places to live. They say that Santa Barbara is is yeah. uh, uh, you know one of the best places on the planet uh, to live. But I, I have to say that my favorite place, not taking anything away from Providence or Santa Barbara, would be anywhere in Ireland. The Republic. Ireland. Oh, I was there when I was a road manager of a band. Oh man, I oh, absolutely. Beautiful. I met a gentleman who was from Northern Ireland, and um, we were chatting, and he, he, I said, I absolutely love Ireland. And he says, you know, I've asked a lot of people who have visited Ireland this question, so I'm going to ask you, what is it that you love most about Ireland? Without hesitation, I said, the people. Yeah. yeah. The people. And Scotland I, also. Yeah. I, go ahead. Scotland, Scotland is amazing. When I was with this band— and we were rehearsing on a baron's estate outside of Edinburgh. And, you know, you get up in the morning, we used to do exercises and look up in the hills and there's heather and sheepdogs. And I mean, it was just beautiful. And it was wild. It was wild. And and, and it had this vibe of something from very ancient and very alive. Yeah. Ireland, it's the people, it's the art. A lot of great writers came out of there. Um, there's something about, you know, the Celtic vibe. Um which I, I feel is like white man's soul. I really do. Yeah. Uh, it's so of the land, of the people, of the heart, you know. Yeah. Well, there's a beautiful line that Mary Black, uh, Irish artist, sings. And it goes, you, you don't own the land. The land owns you. Hmm. And I wish people – because there's a country song that I'm listening to. Um, and um, – Oh, I can't think of what his name is now. But anyway, it's it's a compilation of different uh, artists in it. But basically, the line is, buy dirt. And I'm thinking, yeah, but you can't own it. In 100 years, you're going to be gone and somebody else will own it. So what's the point? I I used to own a home. I used yeah. to own two homes. I mean, not at the same time, mind you. Um, I did when I was married to my first wife. When we divorced, she got the house. When I met wow. my second wife, I was able to buy that house, and we eventually sold it. And now we rent. And I'm sitting here going, you know what? If you want a place to lay your head at night, you're going to pay, whether you own it or you rent it. It doesn't matter, okay? Mm -hmm. um, and you can't take it with you. Right. Now, well, I can pass it on to my kids, but then it's not yours. Right. And unfortunately, a lot of people are treating the land as if it were theirs. They can do whatever they want with it. Uh, the property that we live on, 10 acres, uh, was, was thank God they cleaned it up, was covered with over 22 rusted out shells of old Corvairs and ex, uh, I believe it was Z cars. Wow. Because the original owner, those were his favorite cars. And he always was talking about, yeah, I'm going to fix these up. And it's like, well, he passed on and never fixed them up. Right. And... Um, you know, and I, I, I talk to people about climate change. Yeah. 
And I tell them, I don't want to talk about the science. I, it, the science is irrelevant. Shouldn't we just clean up our home? Oh, I'm so glad. It's like whether there was vast destruction coming or not, it, we, we are the guardians of this. We are the stewards. That's it right and there. It's not a political thing. It shouldn't be a crisis thing. It's just what we do organically. Exactly. exactly. And it doesn't matter if another country isn't doing anything. That's irrelevant. I mean, I hear this all the time about how China and, for example, China and India, which, by the way, have the two largest populations of over a billion each. And as we speak, we're already over eight billion human beings on the planet. Right. you know, they're they're supposedly because they're trying to move forward to uh, out of the third world level, you know, and so forth. And now oh, they're polluting the world. And, da, 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 da. and so why should we do anything? It's like because it's the right thing to do. Totally agree. Totally yeah. agree. Yeah. So um, we'll we'll see how that all washes out. Thomas Lane is my guest. We're talking about his book. The karma factor, speaking of karma, that's going to come back to haunt us if we don't do something, uh, even if it's just in our little part of the world, whether it's your little postage stamp of Providence, Rhode Island, or my massive state of Santa Barbara, California, um, doing my little part on the acre and a half that I uh, happen to occupy with my wife and our dog and uh, three cats. Um, we'll do what we can and uh, and so forth as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, Thomas Lane is my guest. His book, The Karma Factor, the website, thomaslane.com. And um, first of all, Thomas, I want to thank you for uh, sharing so much time with us. I've always, I always enjoy talking with our guests. Uh, your book has a, a depth to it uh, because it's dealing with karma that we do have to deal with it. Uh, and um, I have I was blessed. I don't know if you've ever heard of Life Between Lives Therapy uh, with a Dr. Newton is his name. Well, there, we have a practitioner here in Santa Barbara who took me through that hypnosis process. And to me, it was fascinating. I mean, it just blew me away. Anyway, um, I was a farmer back then in the, my life just before this one. Wow. And... Um, then I went into I, I passed and I went through the processes of a little rest and relaxation because, you know, I'd been through a, a hard life, so forth. Uh, then it is uh, reconnecting with my cluster. And that is those people who are part of my life. It's like the people of China today. They're probably not part of my cluster because I don't have any connection with them. It doesn't mean they're irrelevant. It's just I don't. You are part of my cluster because we have this connection now. Okay. Uh, And uh, so we go through that process of sort of reacquainting. Hey, it's great to see you. How did it go? And so on and so forth. Then you do a life review, kind of like Meryl Streep and Albert Brooks, you know, in that movie, uh, Days Gone By, where uh, they both die. And she is having the time of her life, eating anything she wants because she's no nose. She's not going to gain any weight. Albert is freaking out because he doesn't want to deal with the uh, the review of his life because he's afraid that it is like a test uh, that he could mm-hmm. fail, you know. And it's like, no, they're just going over the parts of your life. That's all they're doing. It's just reviewing it and just seeing what you learned and what you didn't learn. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> so um, then there are classes that one can take, you know, to continue their their 
education as a soul and so forth. And then to make the decision to come back, you know, and live the next life to bring with them, hopefully, some of what they've learned in that life between lives. And to me, it's, it was a fascinating thing. And that would be that would be an extraordinary uh, aspect Maybe a sequel or part two of the karma factor in terms of looking at the um, the effects of karma between the lives one lives and realizing, oh, I did that and I took care of that, but I didn't take care of that, which I should have. So I guess I'm going to have to go back and take care of it to basically equalize it, if you will. Uh, right. You know, for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. So I got to go back for the reaction to take care of it. To um, accountability um, is the key. Accountability—that's the word. To be accountable. It's very, very interesting stuff. Um, I do have three final questions for you. I ask all of my guests, and here in the fifteenth year, we've sort of modified those questions a little bit. There are two that are still the same from the last fourteen years. One I have added. I hope that you get the reference. Before I ask you those questions, though, I want to thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, as we're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. We are here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., streaming live at richarddugan.com. Don't forget about the 9 a.m. Wednesday edition. And the podcasts are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, and many other locations. And we're also on YouTube where you can watch these interviews. And, of course, we will be linked to our guest website, thomaslane.com, so you can find out more about him and the work he's doing and get a copy of The Karma Factor. We also ask that you participate in the Decade of Perfect Vision, the 2020s, where we ask you to go within. And just sit in that stillness, that quietness, that peaceful place and listen to that still, small voice. We mm-hmm. also ask that if you can do so, if you can support us financially, we would greatly appreciate that. Uh, we have a PayPal account. It's there for your security as well as ours. So uh, contribute what you can. You know what? We'll take energetic support as well. Uh, you know, we can put that to good use as well. With all of that said, let me ask you now the first of those three questions that I love asking my guests because the answers are always so fascinating to me. Who is Thomas Lane? Um, ultimately, for me, it's it's something mysterious. I am something mysterious um, that has qualities. I I I think ultimately I'm someone who wants to be a decent human being uh, aside from all the bells and whistles and you know achievements and non-achievements uh, I would like to be helpful and contribute to the world what is your life's purpose probably I'd give you the same almost the same answer um, to to be uh, I, I found that being Self-realization and being fully realized as a human being, as a spirit, as an entity, as a mystery, um, whatever that uh, entails, I think my job on this earth in terms of personal is to explore the possibilities and to reclaim, because I feel in some way I've given up aspects of myself and powers and awarenesses and 
intelligences um, is to reclaim all of that so I can be more and more realized. Final question. What was your best day? <laughs> oh, I have millions of thoughts on that. I first one was the day I was born because I got to be here mm. and to enjoy and learn from this experience. Um, there are other contenders for that, but I, I think I'll stay there. Okay. Well, Thomas, again, I thank you so much for the time you've given us uh, as we broadcast, as we do this podcast, quite literally, coast to coast. And I thank you for giving us so much time. Thank you. And, and um, you know, send me your, your email if I, uh, you wanted to give me your contact information. Absolutely. I, I can send you a CD of mine. I'd be wonderful. I have an address. That would be a pleasure for me to do. I would love to do that. And uh, again, thank you. And I thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story. New paradigms for a new world. We're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to Lal and Jeanette, I am listening.